Welcome everyone. This is No Need to Argue with Kobe Wittick. Welcome everyone to the show. Uh, this is your host, Kobe Wittick. Uh, it is a very gloomy October 8th in Denver, Colorado. One, because of the weather, and two, because of the horrific play by our Colorado teams that we had to witness this weekend, with the one exception of the CU Buffaloes. Way to get that win. That was absolutely awesome. Make sure you check me out on Twitter, uh, at no need 2 a no need number 2 a Let me know what you think about the show, and we will have some fun things to uh, definitely discuss today. So let's get right into it. You know, I've been going back and forth, and no bell today for you got to be kidding me moments to start the show. That's that's for certain. And this is something I went back and forth with over the last 24 to 48 hours. If I wanted to discuss the Broncos' loss to the Jets and the Rockies showing in the NLDS. And I think what I came to the conclusion of is that I want to express my viewpoint and opinions on the matter. But after I finish this episode, I am not going to let this affect my mood anymore like it has over the past 24 hours. So let's get into this, shall we? Denver Broncos. Last week against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, you put up three quarters of amazing football defensively and offensively to show you belong in this league and in this division with one of the most high-powered teams to start the NFL season in 2018. And what happens? We have another away game under Vance Joseph, which hasn't gone well whatsoever, as everyone knows, over the past year and a quarter. We get to go all the way to New Jersey, play a rookie quarterback and a team that has struggled over the past couple weeks, and we put out the showing that we did. Now, let me start with this. I've been listening to a lot of Sports Talk Radio today here in Denver, and a lot of people seem to be coming to the defense of Vance Joseph, saying that the players are not playing good enough, that maybe we don't have as good of a team as the roster may look with some of the named players that we have from years prior. All I have to say to that is, it is definitely a combination of Coach Vance Joseph, his coaching staff, and these players, why we have lost three straight, and look towards having another terrible, terrible season with a long losing streak, just as we did last year, and the eight-game losing streak we had in 2017. Let me tell you this right now. I am absolutely done with Vance Joseph. I am absolutely done with most all of our players. I'm going to put that out there right now. Everything that comes after that, I want you to know those two key things about how I feel with the Denver Broncos. As I've stated before, I feel the Denver Broncos last year looked completely unprepared in more games than not. And we're completely outcoached in more games than not. Trust me, towards the end of last year, there was definitely players that checked out, had one foot out the door. I do not argue with that. 
This year, it looks like there are some players who maybe aren't giving it their all, but they're not making plays. Even if their effort is there, they're not making plays, which is totally fine. But this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. This is a win-now league, and there's no time to live in the past with some of our players on this team. There's no need to do so. Last year, Vance Joseph was all about, we had such a great week of practice, we're so ready, we're so prepared, and we would get our butts handed to us. He just had a press conference today and talked about how he feels really, really good about next week going up against the Los Angeles Rams, another undefeated team. How can you feel good at all about where your team is and having to play arguably the best, most dominant team in the NFL? I don't understand that. And let me tell you something else. Listening to Vance Joseph talk makes me want to go to sleep. I'm so tired of his monotone, laid-back, super, super optimistic attitude about this team. Call it what it is. You know, you look at last week when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Chicago Bears and Dirk Cutter comes out in his press conference and says, everything is going to change. There are many things that need to change. He says, everybody on this team in this organization should be fired after that game that they played against the Chicago Bears. What does Vance Joseph say today? Well, you know, we're we're looking at all options and all things are on the table, but, you know, I'm not going to go into details about that. Are you kidding me? Let's see a little fire, Vance Joseph. Can we see a little emotion that your job is on the line? That your chance at another head coaching job is at least 10 years out in the NFL with what you've shown here in Denver? And you want to come out and be positive about what's going on with your team and how good you feel about your players and your team and how they prepare because you haven't shown us anything the team has not shown us anything under your direction under your leadership in the past year and almost approaching a year and a half to make us be positive about anything whatsoever your team has been undisciplined your team has been unprepared your team has been outcoached and outplayed in more games than us Denver Bronco fans are used to seeing. The Denver Broncos are a winning franchise. Pat Bowen from the top down has laid that very clear about how this franchise is going to be ran and the results that are expected, maybe even demanded, out of every single person in this entire organization. And you're going to sit there and be optimistic about your team going into the toughest matchup we have had. I mean, I would say that the Rams are way better than the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't get me wrong, the Chiefs are really good and they're playing really well and Pat Mahomes is only going to get better. But the Rams have got it going on and they showed that towards the end of last year. And you're going to be optimistic about your team going in there? Don't give us what we want to hear. Don't tell the media, you know, oh, everything's fine and dandy. It's all rainbows and roses here at Dove Valley. Don't fill us with that. Give us something real, man. Show us some emotion. If my job was on the line and my general manager last year said that he had to sleep 
on keeping me around for a second year, oh my gosh. The I mean, the leash would be so short on every single person under me and every player that I'm putting out there on the field. I would show John Elway that if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging haymakers. And I see and hear nothing of that from Vance Joseph. Absolutely nothing. You're supposed to be a defensive guy brought in here to take a great defense and keep it steady. At least keep it where it was. You got good players out there. Put something in place for them to be good. And there's nothing of that going on. And players, don't think you're getting out of this whatsoever on this episode. Because the players are just as bad. Let's start from the top, shall we? Case Keenum. Get that guy a freaking camera. I'm trying really hard not to cuss through all of this that I'm talking about. But goodness, Case Keenum. You know that your offensive line is not the best at pass blocking. So how in the heck can you stand back there for four or five seconds trying to read the defense and read where your routes are? Get rid of the ball, man. You're standing back there surveying the entire field left to right, up and down, don't know what to do with the ball. If you know your offensive line is only going to give you maybe two, two and a half seconds, then get the ball out in two and two and a half seconds, man. Stop taking all these sacks. Stop standing back there like you're lost, that you don't understand what you're looking at. Throw the ball. Do something with it. And I'm not letting Bill Musgrave off the hook either. I think that he's done some good things. But at the same time, like you got to understand what your team is. Understand what your offense and how it's built. you got a lot of playmakers sitting out there with not the greatest offensive line. So find some things that work for you. We have two running backs that rushed the ball for a total of 17 times combined in this game. Now, we got down early, but come on. In that first half, it was still a game. Do something with them. They're both very, very, very talented guys. They've shown the production that they can have in the passing game and in the running game. And they're barely getting used. As far as the offensive line goes, I know that we're not good at all. I mean, Garrett Bowles uses the worst offensive line technique when he pass pass blocks that I've ever seen in my entire life. He doesn't kick step. He doesn't jab. He doesn't do anything. He just turns and tries to beat guys with his athleticism. Who's the offensive line coach coaching this guy? Get him to use some proper technique and he'll be halfway okay. Let me tell you another thing. Offensive linemen love to run block. They love going downhill. You talk to any real offensive lineman out there and they hate pass blocking. They hate going backwards. They hate having people with momentum coming right against their body. They want to take it to the defense. Establish a running game. Do something. Case Keenum is not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not a guy that can sit back there and throw 40 to 50 times a game and be successful. He's shown that. Establish something. Get things moving. I mean, do some more bootlegs. Do something to get Case Keenum a little bit more time maybe to throw the ball or to analyze the field. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to watch what this offense is doing. I mean, they only scored that touchdown in the first quarter because of the turnover. I mean, if they didn't get the turnover and only had, what, 20 yards to go, they wouldn't have scored that touchdown. That offense couldn't even get 
a drive worth having a field goal attempt. Now, as far as these players and some of the situations going on, coaching is always going to be the easy scapegoat. It's going to be the easy answer to get rid of the coach because it's one guy or it's a couple guys on staff that you can just say goodbye to. You can't really get rid of your entire team even though I'm close to calling for everyone on this team to just see you later. I would probably keep a max of 10 guys on this entire roster the way everyone has played this year. But let's look at the facts. Right now, the way everything is going and the way players are playing, John Elway needs to be on the phone with teams trying to trade Demarius Thomas and Von Miller. Now, Broncos country may come down on me for these two, but let me explain. First off, Von Miller, you will always and forever have a home here in Denver. You will be enshrined in the ring of fame. You will most likely be looking for a gold jacket when that time comes. You basically won us a Super Bowl single-handedly. And forever, I will love you more than anything. You are in that top echelon, Mount Rushmore of Denver Broncos players as far as I'm concerned. But like I said earlier, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Vaughn Miller, you got to go. It's, it's got to happen. Are you telling me that Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray can't do what Vaughn Miller has done so far in this season? Are you telling me that we don't have guys on this roster that can do exactly what Von Miller has done so far this season? You can't. Because they can. They can go out there and get a couple tackles, maybe get a QP, QB pressure, just as easy as Von Miller is right now. I mean, Von Miller, you could probably get a lot for him still. Don't get up to the trade deadline. Do it right now. Let a team maybe in contention this year know, hey, Von Miller's on the block. What are you going to give me for him? Could we get a second round pick for Von Miller? Maybe a second and third round pick? Maybe a young talent? I mean, we could probably get some things for Von Miller because people that are contending could bring him in and see if he's that missing piece to help jumpstart their defense a little bit. Maybe it would give him a little energy boost for playing well. But he hasn't done anything this season. He hasn't shown leadership. He hasn't shown drive. He hasn't shown relentlessness. You look at Khalil Mack, and on Thursday we went through all the stats of the NFL and what a difference Khalil Mack has made for that Chicago Bears team. That used to be Von Miller. But we can't live in the past of two, three, four years ago with Von Miller all the time. I know he won us a Super Bowl. I know it was his play in that Super Bowl that took care of business. But what are you doing now? Taking up all that cap space. All that money you're getting. Trade him. Let's see what we can get for him. You just picked Bradley Chubb fifth overall in the draft. Let's develop him and see if he's really worth that fifth overall pick. Bring in Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett who are hungry trying to get on the field. I'm sure they can do what Von Miller's doing at least. Maybe more, who knows. See ya. Demarius Thomas, same thing. 
Same thing with Demarius Thomas. I mean, the guy just, he doesn't show any grit. Like, he's just out there going through the motions. Give me Emmanuel Sanders' attitude on every single play. Gosh, I love that guy. But are you going to sit back and tell me that what Demarius Thomas has done so far this year can't be done by Cortland Sutton, can't be done by Tim Patrick, can't be done by Deshaun Hamilton? I mean, I'll argue that all day long because those three can easily do what Demarius Thomas has done so far this season. See ya. What have you done for me lately? Cortland Sutton is hungry, man. You can see it when he plays. Tim Patrick is hungry. Deshaun Hamilton made some catches and plays this past weekend. I mean, give me some hungry guys. You know what I you stop a you stop a losing streak when people just get absolutely fed up. Like Derek Wolf in his post-game press conference, cursing all over the place, not giving any about what he's saying. Give me that attitude by every single player on this roster, and you might see something change after a three-game losing streak. And there's no need to argue about that. I'm tired, tired of watching this team play the way they do under Vance Joseph. Looked great against the Chiefs, right? Three quarters against the Chiefs just looked awesome. Broncos country was sitting back going, gosh, we're going to get back on track against the Jets. Rookie quarterback, oh yeah. We're going to come in. He's not going to make the plays that Pat Mahomes made. We are going to punish him. We are going to kick their butt. We're going to get back on track on offense. Are you kidding me? That performance on Sunday was pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. If I was Vance Joseph, you know what I'd be doing? One of my haymakers as I go down in flames this season and about to get fired at some point this year, every single away game, I'm taking my team Tuesday. Every single one. We're spending the entire week in the away city of where we're playing that game in the upcoming week. Every single one. Get rid of all distractions. Nobody's sleeping in their own bed. We're going to adjust to any time change so that that's absolutely no excuse. Let them know this is a business trip, gentlemen. Every single one. We're going out there for four or five days, preparing, adjusting, away from everything. Things have got to change And they need to change quickly. Because Broncos country is not sticking through another tank season for a high draft pick. Get it together. And there's no need to argue about that. Hey, let's talk about the Rockies now. Hey, how about it? That's a great idea. Let's talk about how the Rockies did in the NLDS. The Rockies kind of have an opposite situation. Bud Black, amazing manager. I mean, what he has done with this team through all the ups and downs, injuries, everything else that took place this season to get them in the place where they needed to be at the end of the year was absolutely amazing. Really, really young pitching staff that came along and really was playing good at the end of the year, minus Gray. I mean, John Gray is, you know, going to be looking for a job, but I mean, Freeland and Marquez and, I mean, all these guys who came in, you know, second or third year and just started dealing at the end of the year 
was absolutely awesome to watch. And this is something that we're not used to in Denver. You know, we may have an ace, if you want to call our top pitcher that, in years past, but we have never had two or three guys that can really go out there, manage a game, handle their business, and keep it really close for five, six, seven innings. And that's what the Rockies had this year. And it was absolutely awesome to watch. The downfall? Where's the offense, you guys? I mean, Nolan Arenado, about midway through the season, said that he doesn't know if he wants to be a Rocky anymore because he doesn't have the opportunity to play in big-time games. Well, he had plenty of chances at the end last two months of this year, and we didn't see anything different from him. I mean, Arenado, Story, Blackman, Desmond. I mean, you four are supposed to be the big four core of this offense. And minus two series at the end of the year against the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals, you were all completely absent of any production. You want the big time moments? You want to play in the big time, primetime games? Make something happen. Stop swinging haymakers out there and just make plays. I mean, everyone looked so uncomfortable at the plate over the past week and a half. It was sickening to watch. And you had pitchers going out there and dealing against these high-profile teams in big-time games, and there was no offense whatsoever to be found. And Bud Black, I mean, gosh, the changes and things that he was doing towards the end of the year, changing lineup, changing you know his rotation in the bullpen. I mean, he was doing everything he could to give this team a chance and put them in a situation to be successful. And no one showed up. No one took the challenge. And I tell you what, I mean, I'm excited for next year. You know, we're going to see what happens with this roster. I think there's going to be a lot of changes. But they're going to lock down Marquez. They're going to lock down Freeland. They're going to lock down some key guys. And they better get it figured out. Because as, as I've said before, I mean, their window was this year, next year, and maybe two years from now, depending on injuries. And Bud Black is a good manager, man. You got to buy in. You got to get yourself ready to play. Because the Rockies could really do something special here, and we're not seeing it. Just no production. Guy's not ready for the moment. The moment that they want, the moment that they dream about, and they couldn't do anything. And I'm not saying everybody, because there was some key guys. You know, Holiday came in, did his thing. Para, I mean, what a spark plug, an amazing guy that that is to have on your roster to do everything he can and battle in those hard situations. I mean, Dahl, coming in here swinging for the fences every single pitch. Like, come on, man. If it's not working and you're in a slump, get some base hits. Get something going for yourself, man. You don't have to hit bombs every single time you're up to the plate. I mean, Ian Desmond gets paid all this money, and it's like you don't know what you're going to get from this guy. He's batting seventh one night. He's batting third one night. He's batting sixth one night. He's fifth one night. I mean, goodness. Bud Black tried changing him around everywhere he could just to figure out what would be best for the team 
depending on his production. I mean, Trevor's story had a heck of a last month of the season. He was coming through with base hits and doing some things to get the team in position, and no one could follow up. No one could do anything else. Got to see some changes. I don't know what that team's going to look like, but they need to find some grit. They need to find some guys who are going to dig down deep and find something more than what they think they have when the big moments come around. And there's no need to argue about that. Let's have some fun now and talk maybe a little bit more positive notes here. CU Buffaloes on Saturday have ASU in town. What a game that was. Atmosphere. You know, we had some gloomy weather, which is perfect for fall football here in Colorado. And the Buffaloes, I mean, they handled their business. A lot of adversity, a lot of plays, you know, big plays for ASU, big plays for Colorado. I mean, it was just such a great back and forth game and so much fun to watch. And to see the CU Buffaloes undefeated, ranked number 19 in the nation, it's really awesome to see them kind of back into you know, the limelight and getting some publicity and we got some big games coming up, but I mean, CU could really set themselves up for some good things. You know, the thing that bothered me the most about the game, our linebacker number 53, Nate Landman gets kicked out of the game for targeting on a tackle that I can only, only describe to you as routine, perfect tackling for a linebacker. I mean, you can't ask for a better tackle than what Nate Landman put on Eno Benjamin for Arizona State. And they call him for targeting and kick him out of the game. I mean, you got to be kidding me. His head is up. He hits him in the chest. Eno Benjamin dips his head a little bit. I mean, he's making an amazing tackle putting the wood on him, and you're going to kick him out of the game? Is that what this game is coming to? Is that what football is becoming? That you can't lay some wood with a perfect, I mean, almost perfectly formed tackle on a running back? And then they have almost the exact same hit by the ASU DB put on our, I mean, they were talking about Heisman candidate, which is a whole other story. But, you know, our wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault, Chenault, I hope I'm pronouncing that right because if, I, if I'm if i not, I do truly apologize to LaVisca because, I mean, he is special. And I don't mean any disrespect if I'm not pronouncing that perfectly. But, I mean, he catches a ball on the sideline and the DB launches himself at LaVisca, knocking him out of bounds. They throw the fag, they review the play, and they don't kick him out of the game. And to me, neither one was an illegal hit. Neither one deserved a player getting ejected. But, but come on. Don't eject our linebacker on a beautiful hit and then let, let, let just let that one slide on a guy who's being talked about as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Little, little ridiculous if you ask me. But hey, you know. There's no need to argue about that either. So, next one I had, Houston Texans. What a game last night in the Battle of Texas against the Cowboys. It was 
a lot of fun to watch. They go into overtime. You know, the Texans really ramp it up on defense and played great. But Houston Texans, you got to be kidding me. You got to be able to score a touchdown inside the five yard line, man. I mean, they were inside the 10 yard line three times, going for it on fourth down, kicking field goals. And every single one, they would run on like first down and then it was pass, pass. Or Deshaun Watson trying to run out to the sideline and scramble for a touchdown or a design run for Deshaun Watson. The ball was on like the five inch yard line and they couldn't score. And this is something, this is an old adage now from my CSU Pueblo days when I played football, our offensive line coach always, always said, if the offensive line can't get you the length of their dick, then every single one of them should be fired. Houston Texans, I mean, this is prime, man. If I was the Houston Texans offensive line, I would, one, be completely pissed off that we're inside the one-yard line and they're trying to run the ball with Deshaun Watson outside or trying to pass the ball. Because if you can't line up inside the one-yard line and punch your guy for a half a yard into the end zone and get your running back in the end zone... Man, I I would pull myself off the field. And you don't have a coach that believes in you enough to run the football? That's terrible, man. That is terrible. If I was the offensive line and I'm that close, oh, I would be licking my chops saying, run the ball four times for all I care. I'm getting this running back in the end zone. I don't care who you put back there. I'm getting him in the end zone. And they got stopped. I mean, gosh, they would move the ball so beautifully all the way down the field and then, boom, get inside the five, can't do nothing with it. I mean, that game never should have been that close. That game never should have went into overtime. Houston should have blown out the Cowboys. And they just, they couldn't finish. Couldn't finish. And if I was the offensive line, I'd be taking that so personal. And if I was the offensive line coach and we weren't able to get in there on three or four runs in a row, from the one-yard line, I'd resign. The Seattle Seahawks showed you you know, what passing can do on the two-yard line in the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Not Alfred Blue, but Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Just saying, man, if you're an offensive lineman, you got to take that real, real personal that they're passing and doing as much as they could on that place in the field. If I was a coach, I would have ran it three or four times in a row. And if we didn't make it there, I'd have been looking for new offensive linemen. Brand new. I didn't care. I wouldn't care who you were, what you were currently doing, where you were drafted, or if you were drafted. I'd be looking for five new offensive linemen. If you can't run the ball in from the one-yard line four times. And there's no need to argue about that. One of my favorite things that I saw this weekend was the new Clay Matthews commercial for Call of Duty Black Ops. I don't know if you saw this. Check it out on YouTube if you haven't. It is absolutely awesome, and it just reinforces how ridiculous the NFL is getting with their penalties and the roughing the passer calls that are taking place on Clay Matthews, one of the best all-around football players, one of, I mean, you watch this guy tackle 
and it is perfectly formed technique sound tackling that you will ever see and he keeps getting calls keeps getting flags and it is absolutely hilarious if you check out this commercial on YouTube because you know it's call of duty and he's punching guys and they're throwing flags for unnecessary roughness and he's standing on a farm and they're call- they're calling too much destruction he's standing on the ocean and they're saying too much you know, it's just, it's hilarious and it's so funny. And I saw it and it totally took me by surprise. And I kind of wasn't paying attention at the start until I saw almost the end of it. And I had to go check it out on YouTube. And I just, I couldn't help but laugh and just enjoy how awesome it is that Call of Duty called up Clay Matthews and said, Hey, this is what we want to do for a commercial for our new game coming out. Would you be down? And you know, Clay Matthews probably had to have laughed his butt off and said, Heck yes. Let's do it. That's awesome. Total shot at the NFL, and I absolutely love it. And I hope that all of these ad agencies continue to do these kinds of things and take shots at the NFL because it is ridiculous what they're doing with the rule changes and all the flags and penalties that have taken place this year with player safety and quarterback safety and all that other bull crap that they want to talk about, even though they truly don't care. Absolutely love it. Clay Matthews, keep doing it. I hope there's... 10 other agencies that hire Clay Matthews to do a similar ad for their own agency because it is absolutely beautiful and there's no need to argue about that. My last little tidbit on You Gotta Be Kidding Me is all four of our highly drafted rookie quarterbacks this year in the NFL all won on Sunday. Last week they all lost. This week, they all won. And it's crazy to see how the teams are playing, the grinding and the battling that they're putting in. I mean, you know, the big I mean the biggest win was obviously Sam Darnold taking down the Broncos. Absolutely handled his business. And, you know, the three hundred plus rushing yards didn't, you know, hurt whatsoever. But You know, you look at the Cardinals and Rosen beat the 49ers in San Francisco. You got the Browns going into another overtime game against the division rival Ravens. And the Browns win at home for the home crowd for the second time this year. The Bills eke one out by one point over the Titans. And Allen gets another win. And then Sam Darnold, you know, just completely puts it all over the Broncos some big deep throws. I mean, it was just, it was kind of crazy to watch how all four of these guys responded after a loss last week and how their teams responded in the following week. And I mean, arguably all four of them played very, very good opponents. I mean, the Titans were playing really well coming into this week. You know, the Ravens have been playing really well. The 49ers, obviously, you know, with the injuries and things that they're dealing with, they still have been playing well. And I mean, you got to almost say that the Jets had probably the easiest opponent out of all four. And that's really sad to say, being that I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Anyways, tonight is going to be an awesome game. So please, I mean, check it out. I mean, Drew Brees is going for history. Drew Brees is going for the number one spot 
in passing yards in NFL history. 201 yards to pass Peyton Manning. I think he's like 97 yards away from passing Brett Favre at number two. And, you know, no one's really hyped up about that. But I'm sure there will be a moment in the game in New Orleans when he finally does pass Brett Favre that they will, you know, display, hey, he's number two now. And then, I mean, it's almost a given that he's going to get at least 200 yards passing. But if he does throw for 201 yards, it's going to go crazy. He's going to eclipse Peyton Manning for the most all time. And congratulations to him. I mean, you know, you hear everything about short quarterbacks and, you know, the injury that he sustained when he was in San Diego. And then he gets a resurgence in New Orleans and all the different you know, teams and the bad defenses that he's had to go through and the one Super Bowl victory. I mean, Drew Brees is just a stand-up guy. He works his tail off. He comes out every single game and balls out. And he's got all the weapons in the world that he could ask for down there in New Orleans on offense. So, you know, it's going to be fun to watch and just see, you know, if the if the history is made this week. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Redskins have something planned to try and keep him under 201 yards and maybe win this game, but... You know, the way the Saints are playing, they're at home, everything on the line. You got to think that they're going to put something together and that Drew Brees is going to break that record tonight. So tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and we will see what happens with that one. I think the Saints take it, but you you just never know. You know, Monday night game, a lot of emotion, a lot of things going on. Redskins are definitely going to come in and battle, but we're going to see, you know, how that one plays out. As far as everything else goes, guys, like I said, I'm I'm over the Broncos. Uh, I'm over the Rockies. I'm on to the next new and better. The Avalanche are looking really good. We got the Nuggets starting here soon. We'll see what their season looks like. But, you know, as, as Denver Bronco fans, all I can say is this. Let's stay loyal to the Denver Broncos. Remember that you are a fan of the franchise and what this franchise has given us over all these years, three Super Bowls. I know we've had some Super Bowl losses, but it's good to at least have a Super Bowl party when the Broncos are there. Obviously, it's better when they win. But remember that our fanhood is for the Denver Broncos, not necessarily for any one particular player, coach, or GM. I'm going to stay Die hard till I die. I'm going to be tuning in every single week and rooting them on, hoping that I see better performances and better outcomes every week. But I'm not going to let it affect my mood anymore. I'm not going to be angry and upset at everything in my life because of this. And the Rockies, I mean, you know, the good thing is is that we have the Abs and Nuggets coming up to take our mind off of the Rockies until they come back next spring. And we will see what they do. But I think that they have a good thing going. We have some great young pitching. And I hope that they build off of it. Broncos, I mean, you got the biggest test in the world coming up this week. You got the LA Rams. You're at home. 205 kickoff here in Denver, Colorado. This is what your season is all, all made for. I mean, this is it. You get a win here, Broncos country is restored, we're back behind you 100%, all is grand, but you go out and you get your butt handed to you 
by Jared Goff and Gurley and everyone else on that roster. And it is time for a wholesale party where everyone can go. And Vance Joseph, I got to see some fire, man. You got to realize that with every passing moment, your job is on the line. And with every loss, it gets so much easier for John Elway to let you go. Show me some dirt cutter fire. Show me some some dirt cutter everyone in this organization should be fired, including myself, because of how we performed. And maybe, who knows, you'll restore a little bit more hope for Broncos country to watch the rest of the season. And there's no need to argue about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll hit you up on Thursday again. We'll see what uh, what this week holds with the NFL and everything else moving forward. But go Avs. I mean, you might be our saving grace this year considering Colorado sports, and I believe in you. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick, and there's no need to argue about that. Thank you all so much for listening again. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick, and there's no need to argue about that.